Our scripture this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. In that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away, and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself, is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day, you will say, Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion. For great is the Holy One of Israel among you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let me bring a little bit of levity into it this morning. During the Fellowship Sunday School Christmas party, I was asked to be there. There's already some amongst you laughing. I was asked to, to provide a little bit of entertainment, I guess. And one of the parts that Jonathan and I mentioned were some of the songs of the season that, that kind of get to us, that maybe not quite our favorites. Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer was, was definitely one of mine. And one that got a smattering of, oh, was Mary, did you know? So um, uh, thank you, Alan, for leading us this morning. Um, what a beautiful song, and I probably like it a whole lot more now that it's been led in worship, so thank you. But this morning, the sing and exaltation, we also find ourselves at a place where sometimes we can't sing. Sometimes we are living in that weary world. And the song that that we're following along is the weary world rejoices. So how do we find that balance where there is joy, where there is rejoicing? I think through the the past weeks of, of Christmas parties and gatherings and events and the thousands of elementary school dress-up days that have happened that we've got to coordinate and be a part of. It is always something. Regina, you you nail it. I'm just telling you, you're you're awesome at that. But we find ourselves overwhelmed in this season with all the things. The things to wrap, the things to bake, what to do, where to go, how to travel and be. And we're weary. But at the same time, we find ourselves in a place where we must rejoice. Because it's in this season that is preparing us for Christ to come. It is this season preparing our hearts and our lives for Christ to be in us. These candles aren't just part of the Christmas season where we put candles in windows and think it's pretty. It's not meant to be that. It's meant to take steps leading us closer and closer to Christ. That we would have a hope that Christ is coming. That we would have a hope that that there is good in the world. That we would have a hope that there is something that will take place when Christ comes again in glory. That we would have a peace 
a peace that goes beyond all of our understanding, a peace that is that is well past what we need in the Middle East and Ukraine and Russia, a peace in our hearts and our lives that, that we wouldn't be unsettled. And then today we move into this place of, of joy, of wanting joy within, joy without, and that sometimes it's hard to get there. And so we find ourselves with a tension of trying to balance the things and what God is asking of us. But we see this balancing all throughout Scripture. Because God is both the lion and the lamb. God is church and God is home. God is fire and God is water. All these references are in scripture that he's a a leopard, an eagle, a mother hen, a bear, a moth, a fortress, a lamp, a rock. God is father, mother, judge, king, shepherd, and Lord. If you look through the prophets of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, you'll find that God is an archer, a vintner, a barber, a watchman, and a whistler. God is both the great physician and the one who was sick and we nursed. You go through the parables and you'll find God depicted as a landlord and an unjust judge, a farmer, an old woman in search of a lost coin, a a waiting father and a banker. Jesus describes himself as the bread, the light, a vine, a door, a gate, and a road. Not to be outdone by the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit reveals himself as wind, tongue of flame, a dove, and a counselor. And perhaps most famously of all, though we fail to notice due to our sheer over-familiarity with it, Jesus said that a wonderful way to remember him is to experience him anew through the water and bread and juice. And so listing all these things, I got to ask the question, do you get the picture? Because these to me bring vivid things to mind, imagery. And so we get this in Isaiah's text today, Isaiah 12. It's the depiction of salvation being drawn like water from a well. Or more precise, as it says, salvation is like water drawn from many wells. The verse, Isaiah 12, verse 3, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. So what does this picture bring to mind? What does it form in your mind's eye? In, in my house growing up, it's, it's no longer there, but for some reason, I remember on the roadside, we lived on a corner, but on the roadside, there was this small brick square that had a wood platform across the top with a circle piece of wood over it, and then a, a rooftop with a bar and a crank. It didn't do anything. I mean, I'm sure there was probably something under or within the wooden brick frame, but it was made to look like a well. And I lived in the country, so we were on well water. But I know good and well that my mom didn't rise early in the morning and go and put the bucket down and draw the water for us to have breakfast or my dad to have coffee. I know it just magically turned on when I opened the faucet. 
See, in my mind's eye, when I hear this passage of Scripture and I'm drawn in to the wells of salvation, I have that classic brick stone well with this wooden roof over the top. Think of Jack and Jill, right? To fetch a pail of water. You may have experience with a real well. I do not. My only experience is living out in the country, um, just out at New Hope, and we had a, a shed. It was a, a white building that housed the electricity and the spot where the well would be pumping into our house. That's, that's all I know. But it doesn't really roll off the tongue as well. With joy, you will dispense water from the faucet of salvation, does it? The wells of salvation. It's the lyric, it's the the poetry that draws us in. It's the nature of this passage. Isaiah chapter 12 contains only 60 words in the original Hebrew. And it's only six verses long in and of itself. But what's more is this chapter is often ignored, especially in this season, because it follows on the heels of passages like Isaiah 9, which tells us, for unto us a child is born. That's the reason we're here, right? Jesus, baby, born in a manger. There's movies that jokingly pray to dear baby Jesus. And that's where we end it. But then also you get Isaiah 11, which tells us of this divine lineage of what's to come, that the branch from a stump of Jesse. Given a little context, This is now where we find Isaiah 12, immediately following this prediction that the chosen one is going to remake the world. But it's quite another thing to know that everyone is going to gather from the four corners of the earth and reestablish in the promised land that we define as heaven. But it's quite another thing to say that in addition to that, shalom, what Jonathan preached about last week, that heavenly peace is going to break out all over. The shalom of this chosen one of Jesse will be so grand, so all-encompassing that wolves and lambs are going to curl up together for naps. Cows and bears will graze safely together in the same pasture. It's not in the scripture, but siblings will get along perfectly. That's Stephanie writing something in. But the work of God's chosen one will be so great, Israel, Isaiah shares, that there will not be any danger, any harm, any grief anywhere anymore. And that's joy that no one would hurt. And then following those great promises, Isaiah 12 tells us exactly how we are to feel, how we are to to celebrate when all of that takes place, when that promise from Isaiah 11, from Isaiah 9, for unto us a child is born, when all of that takes place, how should we experience? And when that day comes, it says, everyone will burst into song. We could do that now and sing happy birthday to someone who'd probably hurt us for doing it. But, but we could, we celebrate, we, we, we rejoice that song fills us. We sing in exultation because it's all we can do. 
the name of Yahweh, the Lord, as it's presented in this text, is repeated. The salvation will come, will be so stunning, the people won't be able to contain themselves. We will be jumping for joy like a child. Have you ever seen a, a, a little child when a parent comes back after being gone for five minutes? Probably a little bit longer than that, but, but mommy, 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 mommy. Whatever reason that they've been gone, the child is now bursting with excitement. Maybe you've seen videos where the dogs are dropped off at daycare and the owner returns and they're just jumping. I can hear the dogs also saying, Mommy, Mommy, Mommy. But Isaiah 12 is a little like that when it comes to the name of Yahweh. I will praise you, Lord, Isaiah writes in verse 1. Then in verse 2, he explodes, still more burst of praise. God is my salvation. The Lord. The Lord is my strength and song. The, the divine name gets repeated twice in a row like that expectant, excited child. You just can't say it enough. He is that thankful, that happy, that overwhelmed with joy that you say the Lord, the Lord is my strength and song. In the same context, then the, the words about finding delight and joy and drawing water from the wells of salvation. Again, this image may be a little foreign to our experience, but may we regard drawing water from a well to be this quaint, charming thing but you may be hard-pressed to find joy in doing it. Let's put us in context of when this text was written. The people in Isaiah's world probably had an experience with genuine thirst in need of something to drink. I'll be honest, the only time I can tell you where I was sincerely thirsty was when you have a procedure at 1 o'clock and you can't drink anything after midnight, right? See? You all know, right? You, there's for some reason, you are the thirstiest you've ever been that day, right? It's because we can't have, we're without. But the people in Isaiah's world knew. They, they didn't buy bottled water. They couldn't open the taps. They didn't have a freezer that you could just go and put the cup underneath and cool water came out of it. They had wells. And if the wells went dry, the danger was real. So in that era, if you could find reliable well from which you could draw good drinking water, that was a potential source of joy. I found it. I can provide for my family. We will not thirst. We will have. In this chapter, the, the wells are not just water sources, but the very wealth, <coughs> as I now need water, <coughs> I think so. I'm good. <clears throat> Perfect timing, right? <laughs> This is living water, saving water, the fountain of life. 
But even so, we would still be hard-pressed because we've never really thirst for enough salvation. Not only have we rarely, if ever, experienced truly life-threatening physical thirst, we've also maybe never experienced genuine spiritual thirst. How many of us can honestly say that the lyrics of Amazing Grace really describe our past? Have any of us felt genuinely lost, only discover the joy of being found? What about spiritually blind to have the joy of giving, being given our sight back? And how many of us have felt so parched, so bone dry in our souls that a sudden upwelling of salvation's water revived us into a joy we didn't even think possible? There are people in the church, I believe, that have experienced that. But I also know that there are a lot of others who have never. So in what way can we connect ourselves to the joy that was presented in the scripture reading today of Isaiah 12? How can we connect to that ourselves? We should surely hope that we can gain access to this kind of joy. If not fully now, then most certainly when the kingdom of God comes again. In the meanwhile, perhaps we would do well to not think, we would do well to think long and hard about this great gift of salvation that is telling us in this passage. The gift that is given to us without us doing anything. Just but ask. Somehow we can and we must find the joy and share, tell to the nations, tell to all people that Jesus Christ, all of God's plans have marched forwardly into our lives that we celebrate at Christmas, that God really is our strength, that God is our salvation, and he is the very song with which we proclaim. Because one day, the promised world of peace, heavenly peace, will be a home for all of us, if we but ask. Another interesting image to me in this well discussion is that wells don't create water. You have to tap into it. If you need the, the well-drilling people to come out, this is my specialty here. It's not, so just go with me. They will plunge their auger into the earth until they hit a water-bearing stratum, and then they will sink the well down right there to draw up out of the earth what is already there. I've seen this. I, I told y'all I grew up in that country in Jamestown, the, the outside of Waycross, Georgia. And we have, uh, uh, my parents have a lake 
<laughs> it is a small fish pond, but it's it's large. It's good size like this. And my dad's got this water feature that comes down, and all of a sudden it wasn't working. The well was giving him a fit. Something was going on, and he knew he had to go deeper. But doing that causes a, an uproar. You've got to, like, dig stuff out and dig down. And he had all the stuff, and he knew how to do this. He, he really is a civil engineer. I just pretend to be one in fake. So he's drilling down, and all of a sudden water's coming up, and we're just laughing as we're trying to connect all the pieces back together. The only time that I truly have experienced water at a at a base that just flooded me was when I was working as a civil engineer, no, I was working as a day laborer for my father's company, and I was taking the water truck. So my job was to hook the fire the hose to the fire hydrant, take that hose and hook it to the water truck, and make sure all the pieces were turned on properly so that water flowed, right, from the fire hydrant into the truck. Well, there's a lot of levers, a lot of things that happen. And so I've got the, the hose hooked up. I'm 18 years old, right? This is, I don't have a DUI. That's the reason they gave me the water truck, okay? That was the whim. So I'm, I've got the fire hydrant. I've got the water hose hooked to the fire, tr- to the truck. And here I go. I've got the key and I'm turning the fire hydrant on. And all of a sudden water is just spraying me nonstop because I didn't open the gate to go into the truck. So then in my flustered self, what I do is I go and I turn the fire hydrant off so that water stops spilling all over me. And then I get in my truck and I start to pull off. But did you notice I missed a very important step? So additionally, when I did not open up the, the tank to fill and receive water, I also did not detach the hose from either the truck or the fire hydrant. And I started to pull off, but praise be to God, the salvation of my day that I did not uproot the fire hydrant was that it was one of those coil tubes, right? Again, I cost my father more money that year than I made him, I'm sure. But I share all that. Because too often in our life, we, we, haven't, we haven't tapped to the well of salvation. It's there. The water of God, the the salvation of God is flooding all over us. But we're letting our hearts be locked shut. For this joy, this season, is for us to receive, to be open and to experience the blessing of God filling us. It's when we let that happen. When we put aside our things, our to-dos, our lists, and we let the salvation of God fill us and flood us like water being drawn from the well. It's then that we can't help but sing to the Lord for everything that he's done. We will tell the world everything that he has done. We will shout and sing for joy because Holy One is among us and in us. Is your faith so strong that joy is just flooding you that you can't help but have that medley in your heart? 
It may be, Mary, did you know? It may be these songs of joy that we adore you. But take that message to the world and let joy fill you, even in the weariness of your day. Even when you can't take one more thing, let the joy of God be your strength, be your song. May God lead you as we get closer and closer to Christ's coming. May we be led into his presence this day and every day to say, God, you are my true joy. Will you join me as we go to God in prayer? Gracious and mighty God, we give praise to you. We proclaim your holy name. We know what you have done amongst us and through us and, and how your son was born and lived with us that we might be forgiven and restored. You are our salvation. We will trust and not be afraid. Fill us with your love this day and every day. We ask this in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.